what are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I could do this all day. The Matt Sodnikar Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. This is Matt Sodnikar. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. I, I do appreciate it. And I do appreciate the feedback when people uh, comment and you know, reach out with episodes they've liked. And today's guest is Katrina Padron. She is the CEO of North Star HQ. And she's got a product uh, called Lead Pilots. And we struck up a conversation because I thought that her LinkedIn intro was real and creative and real being genuine. And with that, Katrina, thank you for making the time this morning. I appreciate it. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me. So your LinkedIn intro, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, was, um, I just thought, sincere and real and creative and genuine and... I responded to it, and then that led to a couple conversations, and here we are. And um, there was a a definite tone, and I guess almost, I don't want to stretch it like a philosophical intent (laughs) to it, but I don't want to get that serious about LinkedIn. But um, take me through kind of what that was and how you did it, and and I think it'll explain why it worked. Yeah, so... So a couple things with LinkedIn. I mean, first of all, LinkedIn's been around for a very long time at this point, but um, most of us as business professionals really like LinkedIn because we can see the people that we want to have conversations with and that maybe one day down the road want to do business with or collaborate on something. Um, And LinkedIn works when it's being used like that, when you're looking at the people on LinkedIn as people, right? But when it, the way it doesn't work is when you're mass blasting um, very canned messages that lose a personal touch. And just, you know, for everyone who hasn't seen my LinkedIn connection message, basically it says something like, hey, here are the things I'm involved with. I've been involved with Denver Startup Week, with co-starters, with the University of Denver on a research project. I've hosted a podcast hey, I'm sure there's something that we can collaborate on or have a meaningful conversation around, which is very, very different than, hi, I'd like to grow my personal network, (laughs) professional (laughs) network, right? So so from the get-go, I'm already telling people, here are the things I've done. On top of, yes, you can see from my profile, I also run a digital marketing agency. But on top of that, here are some other things that light me up and that I've been involved with over the years. And so it gives like a next step for the conversation rather than, Hey, will you buy my service? You know, or will you buy my product? (laughs) And what I will tell you, and I don't want to give away all my secrets, um, but that message is super genuine. That message works. Um, I get in touch with a lot of people that I want to have meaningful conversations with or do some project with or whatever it is. It works, but the secret is it's automated. <laughs> and it's automated because I need to be able to scale but, uh, so that I can have the conversations I want to have and you know use that to grow my business. Um, so it's really like this weird fine line of, hey, I know I have to be personal and authentic and genuine, 
but just like other businesses, I need to use tools that help me grow too. So it's a balance. Well, and I, I asked you, and I didn't care whether it was sent via automation or whether you actually typed it, but what my compliment was to you is that it was very sincere and it, it read, yeah. and to me, the, the delivery vehicle is irrelevant, but it came across as sincere and real. And, you know, it's the difference between writing a, a genuine one-to-one email or, um, you know, like a, a generic spam email. I don't care whether it's sent via right. Gmail or postal or you sure. hand deliver it to my door. Right. It's like, it's what, Pony Express. <laughs> yeah, it's the message in there. And, uh, one thing I'm going to do yeah. is, and I won't give away your, your secrets anyway, cause I know it's a business, but when I release this episode, I'm going to take some screenshots of, um, one LinkedIn, I'm using big air quotes here, expand my network email that sure. four, yeah. four hours and 17 minutes after I accepted that request, I got a spam you know, email for this oh, wow. conference okay. out in Phoenix. And I'm like, dude, I'm not even in that space in IT. Yeah. And then, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they were a little off on their targeting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and to which I yeah. responded, um, sure, you know, send me the hotel confirmation and the flight info. I like an aisle seat, please. And I'll be happy to come out to your event. But I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> but then the other two are just, and, and I'm struck by the fact that the expand my network is now the thing, like the current hot topic. And I'll post a photo and I'll redact this. I'll make these guys anonymous, but just like back to back of non-creative, no reason to like, why would I talk to you? So. Yeah. And that's where, like where I feel like our message does really well is we are real or we, but I am really specific in what my background is and and these things the specific things i've done outside of just getting business for you know our own company um and i think that starts people in the mindset of oh well hey i've done some things with x y and z you know maybe there is room for a really great conversation here maybe we can support each other in business um, whether that's me buying her product or service, maybe we just know people that need what the other person does. Like you never know, but what I'll tell you is, you know, we are 100% in the B2B space in what we do from a marketing standpoint. But the way I look at it is, yeah, it's business to business, but we still have to talk to a person, right? Like there's yep. still a person there on the phone or on the Zoom conference, wherever it is, that's making these decisions and working and trying to make the best decision that they can, right? Like this is a very human experience that they're going through. Um, and I think just coming out of the gate to sell the product isn't going to give them the confidence and the backstory and the history that they need before they make that buying decision. You know, so in a lot of cases, it feels like it's a very, it's a longer tail approach, right? It's like, oh, but we just need to come out and sell. But if you don't have the relationship and the basis to sell, they're not going to give you the opportunity to have that conversation you know so you might as well start with the relationship <laughs> yeah it's 
And, and I think people can sense when it's not legitimate. And I've oh, actually sure. changed my messaging when I send out um, prospective emails via LinkedIn. I'll look at their profile. And yes, it's slower, and that'll lead us to your, your lead pilots um, discussion here in a second. It's slower, but yeah. at least I feel like if they get it, they would take the time to read it. And I'll go through profiles, and one message that I used for a while was I went through and looked at what recommendations people had written about them. And mm. I would just say, look, we're both adults. I'm in sales. You're a purchaser. You're you know a CIO, CTO, whatever. But sure. I'm looking at what people are writing about you and values and integrity are very important to me. And I said, if nothing else, mm -hmm. we should just know each other because people are saying the same things about us and right. acknowledging that, yes, I'm going to try to sell you something, but at least establishing that I'm a human and I have character and I have values and I know how this works, that I just can't come in. I used to tell my sales teams, it's like, think about this like a date, Right. You meet somebody, you know, swipe on them, I guess. And then you yeah, have a right. cup of coffee. <laughs> and if you show up with the ring on that first coffee date, it's going to be pretty awkward. So if you translate that right. to like a sales meeting, don't do it. There's steps. There's layers to the cake, player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, I think that's a really great anal analogy. So um, talk to me about lead pilots, too, because when we spoke, I was – um, fascinated by the automation of it. And it is mm -hmm. kind of, and I think I mentioned to you, it's exactly what I do, but it's at scale. And I'll let you yeah. talk about that. Yeah. So, so Lead Pilots is a product of North Star HQ. We brought it to market about a year and a half ago now. And here's the reason. So, we work 100% in the B2B space. All of our clients and all of our team has always loved LinkedIn and found a lot of value in the way that LinkedIn has built their professional platform. The problem with LinkedIn is it's manual and it's hard to scale. Mm -hmm. And so as business owners and marketing and sales teams, all of us are like, oh my gosh, we don't have you know six hours a day to sit here and just write these um write these messages and send connections and, oh my gosh, if someone connects, I'm not going to follow up with them for like six months, you know, if ever. <laughs> um, and so we built out the lead pilots to solve that problem. And so basically what we do is we help automate the connections that go out and we also automate the follow-up messages that go out to that person you're trying to connect with. Now, here's the thing. There's essentially two main levers we can pull within lead pilots to make it successful. One is around messaging, which we've talked a lot about. So if you were to use lead pilots or a platform like it, but yet wrote messaging that is canned and not personal, personable, it's not going to work. You're going to get the same old result, you know, whether you're doing it <laughs> manually or with a tool, it's just it's flat out not going to work. You're going to be crappy um, faster. Yeah, I, <laughs> it'll it'll accelerate your crappiness. You're right. So, um, so that so that's the thing. One one lever is the messaging, and then the second lever is the targeting. So, making sure you are reaching out to the people who you really want to have a conversation with. Um, I'll tell clients um, or prospects too if they if they feel like they're not 
you know, sometimes people will come to us and say, you know, I'm getting a lot of meetings, but it's just not the right people. And I'll say, okay, well, let's go back to this list that we approved together and either check or uncheck the people that you truly would be happy to have a conversation with. If there's someone on this list based on, I don't know, their job title, industry, years of experience, whatever it is that makes them not a good fit for you to have a conversation with, let's uncheck them. Um, because there's no, they don't want that message in their inbox either, you know, um, if, it's, if it's not a good fit. So those are the two levers we can pull. And basically what we find for clients is we're booking about one to two meetings per day per client. So, you know, it's certainly not a perfect solution for um, a client that needs a high volume, like say 20 meetings a day, but for, for clients and prospects that are looking for sort of like that infusion of, hey, I really want to be talking to these people about XYZ, it's a really great fit to get those meetings booked directly on their calendar. Well, as a salesperson, I would take two quality meetings a day over six where I'd have to be using qualifying skills, um, things to basically weed them in or weed them out during that time. Right. So there's there's quantity and quality like in everything else. And so I would right. definitely take two a day over six a and day. And most like, people are, yes, most people are right there with you. They're like, hey, if I could get one meeting a day, I would be thrilled, you know, if it, if it was a high-quality meeting, for sure. Yeah, and I, I, I may have told this story <clears throat> on the podcast before, but I'll just be very brief here, is the best meeting I've ever had was in Dallas, and I listened for 50 minutes and whiteboarded, and this um, CLO across the table was telling me about these problems, these issues, these challenges, and he just kept going and at the end of it and I got up and hey, can I just circle a couple things that might be a good next step and for you know, two, three minutes talked and then at the end mm -hmm. we sat there and he's like, This has been amazing. Like nobody's ever taken the time to really understand this and <clears throat> that's the gold standard where I'm trying to get to every single time and but it just goes back to your point about a quality conversation and it has to be real and you have to put some time, I think, in the front of it as opposed to just shotgunning this. Yeah. And I'll also tell you, for most of my life, I've undervalued being an introvert. I find my, I, I get compliments that I'm a really great listener. And part of it is for a very long time, like, oh, I'm just too shy to interject myself. <laughs> um, now, that's certainly changed a bit in the last couple of years. As a business owner, I've found, I, you know, a lot of times I just need to speak up, and, and that's benefited me as I've grown. But what I'll say is by listening and having the conversation with the person who has a problem that you potentially can solve, you're going to gain so much more insight into how you can help them by listening, right? Because a lot of times, um, I'll speak for Northstar, a lot of times we're talking to business owners who, who don't have a sales background or who don't have a marketing background. And they'll even say things like, hey, I think we need some SEO. Honestly, I don't even know what SEO means or what that would do, <laughs> but I hear that that's really important. 
And it's like, hey, I, I hear you. Let me explain a little bit what SEO is and, you know, how that may or may not benefit based on whatever your overall strategy is. Um, and so that listening piece has just become it's become more and more important, I think, right? Because if, going back to an earlier point, like if you come into the meeting and you're asking them to marry you today, but you don't even know what they like, like, do they like skiing or long walks on the beach? But like, maybe it's not going to go well. Right? <laughs> or maybe they're already yeah. married. <laughs> or maybe they're married. You know? <laughs> and that throws a little complication in things. So I don't know. I, I think listening is, is undervalued in a lot of ways and a lot can come from it. Well, I'll tell you what I've learned from my experience on listening is listening is not simply the act of just being quiet and looking at someone and waiting for them to stop talking. It's actually the act of understanding and hearing somebody. And I read Mm -hmm. something about, I think it was Southwest airlines that they said that when a customer calls in to their um, service desk, their customer service line, Clearly, they have a problem, but what they learned yeah. is that the first thing that person wants above resolution is to be understood. Mm, and yeah, if and I had to learn to go into <clears throat> um, conversations where, yes, I'm listening, and here's a point that I need to make, but I'm waiting for them to get to that point where they feel like. I understand it. And then my response has a lot more weight. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And I'm just thinking through some of the customer service calls I've personally made that I hope like never get aired (laughs) 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 to to their training team, right? You know, they're like, this call might be recorded for training. I'm like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Those calls, (laughs) the ones that go better are the ones where they're like, okay, hold on. Yeah, this, where they're really empathetic. They're like, yeah, this sounds not good. Let me make sure I understand and I'm going to work to help you. But first I'm hearing you and understanding. Yeah. Well, that's really insightful. The, the analogy that I use is that the other person has a balloon and it's full of air and they have to get all that air out of the balloon and mm. the air, I think in this analogy, is that it's emotion. And until that emotion's out, to try to figure out what to do with the balloon next, it's not going to work. I guess maybe you're trying to stuff it in your pocket, right? So you're not going to get that balloon in your pocket until the air is out of it and the emotion is kind of out of the conversation. I think that is so true because thinking on those bad conversations with customer service, I'll I have even noticed myself, like, if I don't feel heard, I'll say it again, right? Like, I'm just like, wait a minute, <laughs> I, I still have more air in my balloon, and yeah, well, well, that, boy, I hope to be a better person, and truly, I try on those calls, and oh, man, because I think they have a very challenging task ahead of them all day long, um, so I try my best, but I will say there are some that I'm less than proud of. So I'll try and keep that <laughs> balloon analogy in my mind next time I call about internet or something, you know. We're, we're all human, Katrina. It's okay. <laughs> well, we're all learning. It's all part of the process. 
I wanted to go back to what you'd said about being an introvert. And I was curious if you had ever taken, I'm sure you have either a disc profile or a Myers Briggs. And if what your, what you, if you remember what your profile was. Yes, I've, I've definitely taken a Myers Briggs. I can't remember all of my letters, but I know introverts on one. I've taken the, um, what is it called? Enneagram. Enneagram. I don't know how to pronounce it. That's like a newer one, and on that one, I'm a peacemaker. Um, I'm trying to think of some others. They're pretty consistent, um, and basically what I find is I'm an introvert, but in certain settings, I'll flip over and, like, kind of light up as an extrovert for about, you know, 30 minutes, and then I have to fully detox and go back to introvert <laughs> whether that's, like, uh, you know, taking a walk around the block or waiting by the bathroom for a minute, checking my phone or, you know, something to that effect. Do you remember a tipping point in your career, your life, where you were being an introvert and you went over the edge and you did something that was very foreign because it was new on that extroverted side? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I feel like you're getting the stories out of me that, that don't highlight my best example of self. These are all <laughs> well, I'll tell a couple after this. The... <laughs> I'll, I'll, okay, I'll match cool. you. You'll make me feel better. <laughs> okay. So I worked at the, this is before I owned um, the company I run now. And I worked at a um, large real estate development group. And part of our job was to fly to these different markets. And they had a a very small, like six passenger plane that we would be on. But the thing about this organization is I swear everyone that worked there was like hardcore extrovert and also very old school. And I came in as like this millennial introvert. And I mean, I'll tell you, like within the first week of me working there, they found out I was a vegetarian and almost wanted to fire me. They asked me to go home and think about it over the weekend. And I just like, in that conversation, I'm like, I only worked here for a week. Like if I didn't want to work here, I wouldn't have taken the job. Like, (laughs) you know? Um, So anyway, so odd things like that happened, but I remember being on this plane where, you know, you're in close quarters and, there's nowhere to go. You're, you're stuck by whoever you're sitting next to. And um, I was in marketing. And one of the challenges with marketing is, well, one of the challenges with a lot of organizations is that marketing is always siloed from sales, but yet marketing is required to bring in sales because they're spending a lot of money usually. Um, and then the sales team is required to bring in sales, but they're usually spending less money. They're more of like a grassroots sort of thing. But this, uh, director of, or VP of sales, he was telling me how he wants more hunters in the organization and not as many, um, what did he call them? I think farmers. Mm, right. And he was basically insinuating, I'm a farmer, right? It's a slow growth. It's a nurture the lead. And he wants people out there hunting and getting these sales. And I like really stood up for myself in this moment on the plane explained my approach and also explained how like you need both and it was very poorly timed it was way too emotionally charged 
and then I got to sit on the plane for another hour next to this man who <laughs> was extremely, extremely mad at me and sweating bullets. I'm like, hi, I'm still here. So, so I don't know if that was like as much of an extrovert moment as it was just a, a, a blow up moment per se. But again, it, it wasn't my finest timing or conversation. Well, let me re- let me try to reframe it for you because as you're telling okay. that story and you know prefacing it by it's not your finest moment, I would say that it should be something that you're very proud of because I've been on the other side where I've had that thought, I've had the words, I've had the emotions behind it, and I didn't do anything about it. So mm-hmm. I think you should be mm-hmm. commended for <clears throat> you know it's it's not the only perfect scripts are in the movies. And I told my son that right. years ago, I'm like, the hero always gets the girl and always says the right thing at the right time because they take 15 takes and right. they have writers and they reshoot it. And real life is imperfect and the timing's never right. And the words are never perfect. So I'm going right. to, it just happens. Yes. You know? <laughs> so I'm going to hopefully reframe it for you. And that should be something that you're Thank very proud you. of that you, you had a decision and you could have, not said anything and that for me I don't know how you would have reacted but had I taken that back to the hotel or the conference and just was like I was right there and I backed away and you went over the edge which is I think scarier than not doing something so I think you should be very proud of that moment well thanks for that and I do agree that had I not said it I would have just gone back to the hotel and been like, man, like they kind of beat me down again, sort of thing. And it was just a moment from like, I have to speak up for myself, especially in that time. Like one, I was very young and junior in a pretty big role. Um, and two, that was right in like the 2008 economic crisis. And that was a time where I felt like everyone's marketing job was, essentially on the line, right? Because the old saying was, half my marketing doesn't work, I just don't know which half. And when the economy (laughs) tanked, what I can say about my job is, I had to know which half. And I had to bring that P&L and show how my, my work, my marketing work, whether it was farmer work or hunter work, it didn't really matter. But I had to show how I positively impacted sales, right? And I was really excited to have not lost my job during that time. And a big piece of it, um, it really came down to what happened with digital marketing and social media marketing at that time. Um, Because leading up to that, with that old saying in everyone's mind, like half my marketing doesn't work. So we would buy things. We'd buy radio spots, billboards, um, print ads, TV spots some of which truly are very hard to track, right? Like, does someone drive down the interstate, see your billboard, and come in? We don't really know, but we know if, hey, we have a billboard go up in July and sales are continually increasing over the next few months, yeah, it probably had some good positive impact. Um, But with digital marketing and social marketing, which was really not on the business's table that I worked at at the time, But I remember being in what they call these war room meetings with the CFO, and the CFO was like, no, we are not getting on social media. We're not going to open ourselves up to to criticism, right? And and then he's like, and that platform, Facebook, that's not going to be around very long either. So why are we putting 
our time and energy and into these platforms. So I did my first social media campaign in, I think it must've been 2009 or 10. Um, and basically generated $60,000 for the company in 72 hours. So what we were doing was we were trying to sell out these cooking classes in various markets, um, around the country. And I think at the time, I think it was like 50 bucks a person or something like that. But we were selling them out through social media and people were prepaying to reserve their seat with a credit card. And I was like, hey guys, social media works. (laughs) (laughs) I I found something that I can track and isn't this amazing. Um, Anyway, so that's kind of how I, I made that transition. But it's also one little link of how marketing and sales can start working together. Well, and that that's the other subject I wanted to cover in depth with you is that on our conversations, you have this um, blend, like almost, you know, both halves of your brain with a very strong marketing background and skill set and perception, Mm -hmm. but also a very strong sales perspective. And I've always said that sales and marketing are sometimes separated by, you know, a nanometer or an ocean. Yeah. And how did you come about to become sort of like a, uh, like a robust player with both halves of that? Honestly, out of necessity, going back to my introversion, most of the salespeople I knew early in my career were extreme extroverts. And so as a, as a, as a young professional trying to find my way, that was just not what I was going to do, right? <laughs> it was just like, I can't see myself going to all these events, standing there, welcoming people. Not that I'm unwelcoming, but I, it just felt exhausting to me. But I'll go back even to that company I was talking about. Um, one of the things, and some of the stories I tell sound really bad about that company, but I will say I look back on that really positively because of the amount of business acumen I gained very early in my career. So I was probably maybe 23 when I started there. Um, and I was responsible for the marketing lines on the P&L. And when I look back on that now, all these years later, I'm like, oh my gosh, a lot of professionals don't even get to see the P&L until they're maybe 10, 15, 20 years into their career. Mm. And on day one, here they're like, here's the P&L. Did you make us any money? I'm like, hold on, let me figure it out. <laughs> I've never <laughs> read a P&L. Um, so, um, and the funny story for all those people who didn't know what a P&L is early in their career, I thought the letters were, were P-N-L, not <laughs> P-N-L, right? Uh, so I had a note that I wrote on my notepad that said, look at P-N-L. Like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. So grown a lot. Um, but one of the things we had to do is just like a daily exercise there was we wrote down the sales for the company on that day. We wrote a little arrow as far as like what the increase or decrease was for that day. And then we overlaid it with, okay, did we have TV spots running? Did we have print ads running? Like what could have impacted to give us that increase? And we did that every single day, every single market that was like, the first thing. And if you were walking down the hall to go to the bathroom and you ran into the owner of the company, he might say like, what were sales in Des Moines, Iowa yesterday? 
you know, I'm like, oh, I know that because I did my work. Mm. Um, so that was like my first hint of, hey, marketing and marketing and sales have the same goal, right? And then when I started um, my company in, gosh, 2011, so almost nine years ago, I found out super quickly, and we were focused so solely on social media marketing at the time, but I found out super quickly that no one wants a Facebook post for the sake of having a Facebook post. Everyone wants a Facebook post for the sake of growing their business. And so one of the things I think we got really right from the beginning is, you know, we said, hey, any agency can get you fans. We deliver sales. And so we have always worked with um, clients and professionals within a client organization that's somehow responsible for growing the business, right? Um, fans is never going to be aligned on the P&L. And so if we're not looking at revenue coming in or demo conversations being booked or sales meetings or, you know, whatever those things are for that company, then we're really missing the mark on, on what marketing is supposed to do. Right. And neither one can happen in a vacuum. And I think no. it, sh it should almost be mandatory that, you know, sales and marketing work closely together and attend each other's meetings and go out on sales yeah. calls. I think you have to see, you both have to see what the customer is asking for and how they're behaving and then how they perceive the marketing and, and just yeah. be collaborative. I think it makes a stronger message and a stronger company. And I think we all get it in theory, but somewhere in the practice of it, it gets missed. And I'll tell you, I was just talking to a prospective client this week and asking about what they use for like email marketing and CRMs. And they said, well, our sales team uses Salesforce and outreach and our marketing team uses uh, active campaign. And like, wait, you have three CRMs? <laughs> and then, like, which, first of all, that's a problem. And then the conversation got deeper because I was going into the process. I'm like, okay, well, how does the marketing team know what lead, like where leads are in the funnel? And they're like, well, then we have the sales team fill out an Excel spreadsheet to uh... give to the marketing team. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, you guys. First order of business is get one CRM that sales and marketing can both access. Sales can tell you when they had a conversation, when they have to follow up, and marketing can tell you what larger campaigns are going on to kind of bring people through that buying decision from awareness to consideration to conversion. You know, like, so I feel like, but in that example, my, my point is that person felt like, hey, we are doing our best to corral sales and marketing. We want them working together. But the in-practice solution, is it's, it's just missing the mark. It's causing duplicity for, for both teams. And then both teams are like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to update this here and there. You know, so then it's just, just not working. It's amazing how those decisions get made, and then they're just – be, they become part of the, the culture and the, the it's tool just set. just what they do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, and that's, you know, that's one example, but there's, I mean, there's just a ton out there like that. And it really, um, I don't know. I, I feel like digital marketing has changed it some because things are so much more track, uh, trackable than 
than traditional marketing, but we're still not where we need to be, in my opinion. Oh, I would totally agree. And and before I forget, I want to tell you, I want to commiserate with you on your PNL story. <laughs> yeah. when, I, when, when I got a, <clears throat> a job selling consumer products, uh, I was talking, you know, got the gig and I was talking to a new manager and um, I actually asked him over the phone, I go, what's wholesale and what's net 30 on, on terms? Oh, God. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> See, <clears throat> and that's where, you know, now that I'm further in my career, I value my experience more and more, right? There are just pieces of business, um, which I suppose if you go to business school, you probably, I would hope you learn those things, right? Which I but did not. But if you don't yeah. go to business school, yeah, and I didn't either. So for all those business school grads listening, they're, they're probably like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for the other portion of us who become entrepreneurs or business owners out of necessity or passion or, you know, all those different reasons, um, there's a learning curve, you know, and I'm, I'm, hey, in the marketing and sales space, there's new terms all the time, right? And I think it is hard to keep up on it. And it, it has that feeling of who is making all this up, right? Just a couple of years ago, account-based marketing became a big one. And right now, SQL versus MQL. So sales qualified lead versus marketing qualified lead. That's a big one. Um, and it just feels like a lot to always be on top of. <laughs> it's always a new buzzword, a new acronym. <laughs> and then I get worried. I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, I think 15 or so years into my career, I get worried if I'm on a call. I'm like, oh, I hope I know all their buzzwords today. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, Market demand gen, that's been one that's been pretty heavy in the last few months too <laughs> we should see if we could make just a nonsense marketing word a thing just start publicizing it and just hashtag this and just right. all of a sudden people will be like what's so and so and where did this come from <laughs> like, no we just right. made it up i have a true i have a tech jargon generator website that all my friends that actually can write code and they're oh. they're um you know very very smart people like whenever they're talking about a problem they have at work i go to this tech generator and it's like Oh, you should refigure the HTTP port and blah, and they just look at me and just shut up. Like, just oh, stop wow. using yeah. these words. <laughs> <That's> funny. <clears throat> yeah, lots of jargon in there. And what you know, going back to the very first point of, hey, we're all people trying to do a good job at our jobs. Um, I love the conversations, like the one I was uh, sharing about. Hey, I think I need SEO, but I don't even really know what that is. One of the things I feel like I do well as a business owner is that's fine. You don't need to know what SEO is. That's that's our job, and that's what we're going to report back to you on is how are we doing on that and what our progress has been. But let me break it down in the most like simplistic way and what the benefit is. It's less about the the feature and what it does, but it's more like, well, here's how it's going to benefit you if this is the path we travel. Right. And that, that does a couple of things, I think, from the customer's perspective in their perception of you is that they say it, you, you build the trust because at least you know something yeah. about it. 
you can translate it in and meet them where they're at and then you can mm-hmm. tell them you know let me let me help you make this decision together and that just builds trust which is so important yeah not like yeah. oh i got your ceo don't worry about it give me your credit card i'll take care of it and it's like hmm, right that's that's kind of not how that should work yeah yeah i would agree well, I've really enjoyed this, and um, I guess just thank you for reaching out and being genuine, and uh, would love to continue these conversations um, business-wise, professionally, and it's just been wonderful to get to know you, and so thanks for making the time today. Yeah, of course. Um, thanks for being open to connecting and inviting me on your podcast. I appreciate it. Sure. And I'll post links to where people can connect with you, but where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, The best place is northstarhq.com. And then that links out to all of our social and all that. Awesome. And I can say after digging into it and getting an overview from you that if, if you're in sales and I don't know if I need to say this, but you're not paying me for this. This is not, you know, a sponsor agreement, but it's really slick. And I liked it because what you're doing um, magically with your, your platform is what I do manually. And it's, it's very, very cool. So if you're in selling, you should definitely check it out. Well, thanks for that. And for anyone who does want to check it out, we do free demos of it. It takes, 20 to 30 minutes and basically we do our best to make the best use of your time and answer all your questions but then also show you you know the back end and show you what the dashboard looks like and what campaigns look like and how that's trapped um so anyway you're welcome to sign up for that on the leadpilots.com yeah and and i should also say too that if the the product was amazing and there wasn't um uh, a legitimate person with character and skills behind it that had a compelling story. I wouldn't be talking to you in this way either. So I think, sure. and I'm trying, I'm trying to pay you a compliment. I hope that comes across. <laughs> it, it comes across. Thank you. I appreciate sure. it. Well, Katrina, thank you so much. Have a, a wonderful, um, a wonderful weekend. And I hope it warms up a little bit up in Evergreen. <laughs> Yeah, me too. The sun is out, so I think it will. Good deal. Well, thank Thank you so much. You have a great weekend too. Bye. If you like this show, I have two requests. One is to share it with someone and make sure that they know what a podcast is and how to get it. Either show them iTunes or Spotify. And the second request is let me know if there's somebody that you would like to be interviewed in your personal circle. Uh, People ask me all the time where I find these guests and they're friends on Facebook, friends on LinkedIn. Uh, I see uh, news articles and I simply reach out and talk to them and ask them if they'd want to tell their story. So uh, this podcast was founded on the premise that you don't have to be rich and famous to tell a compelling story. And if there's somebody in your world that uh, you think would be a great interview, I guarantee you they would be. And just shoot me a note at podcast at thewarmfront.com and let's hook it up. Thanks.